When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. It's the end. This is the end. The last podcast of the season after the last game of the season. I'm joined by Psychic Josh live from his resplendent Soho House style office back where he belongs. Hi, Josh. Yeah, it's um, familiar territory again after sitting in the Hilton Newcastle breakfast Mm. room trying to get some good Wi-Fi to speak to yourself and Alan last week. I listened back to it. I was as deflated as I felt, I think, uh, in my voice. Yeah, and uh, Yeah. But there you go. And then wasn't today so predictable? I mean, we'll get yeah. on to it, but it, it was yeah. the most predictable ending of all. It was. And um, we're joined by um, staunch, regular, uh, Arsenal Supporter Trust um, legend, Star of the Super Greed, the Five Football documentary on um, Sky, produced by Four Seventy Three. Um, I put a picture of you. It's Tim Payton. Hi, Tim. Hello. I, I forgot to tell you this, and you probably have no idea that this happened. But there's a picture of you in Heat magazine the week that documentary came out because I previewed the documentary. And um, believe it on, and, and the the, may, the we were sent about four or five pictures. You get you know a choice of pictures to illustrate every program on TV, and of course the best one was of you. Standing, it was, was it just one standing outside yeah, the Emirates trying to look outside, moody? Yeah, and I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, I must email. I must tell Tim that he is in a star of this week's Heat magazine. You know, alongside Kim Kardashian and Victoria Beckham, the usuals, the regulars. Um, and then I did yeah. see some of it, and I sent it. To my mum, and she wants to know who's going to play me in the film version. Who do you reckon, Boyd? Um, Brad Pitt. <laughs> Tim, sorry, did people let you know you were in Heat magazine? I didn't know that. I did see the picture used elsewhere, hmm. including in the FT, and I saw so some Tim, of the stills. Tim knows a lot like of people. Tim's well-connected, yeah. knows loads of people in all different walks yeah. of life. Not a single one of them buys Heat Magazine, boy. What's that say about your sales figures? Eh? Well, they must be um, going down. Well, no, they I might mean, have done, because they might have just thought, oh, bloody hell, it's him again, and not told me. Well, no, I'm sure there's some there's some truth to what Josh says. I mean, to be fair, Heat Magazine is not aimed, I don't think, at, shall we say, middle, at men of a certain age? <laughs> uh, 
so it's no great surprise to me that no one noticed um, that Tim was a star. I'm trying to find up. I took a photo of it to send to you and everything. I completely forgot at the time. It's annoying me now. Anyway, but that won't matter because, um, you know, listen, I'll, maybe I'll post it on Twitter when I find it to go alongside this episode. More importantly, go on, Tim. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say that if you go back to what that documentary was about, and actually yeah. it was only a season ago, but I know that, Today hasn't worked out quite how we wanted it. But what what a sort of March, April, May, and why? Because qualification for Europe still mattered on where you came in the Premier League, not on some preordained mm. stitch up of yeah. so-called Super League clubs that already get in. So it, it kind of everybody knew it was important at the time and everybody fought it. But the Premier League this season at the top, qualifying for Europe and even at the bottom, has shown why you must never, ever discard that link to sporting merit and competitive balance, must you? A little bit of a sort of broadcast there for for what the fight was about last yeah. year. But it did come true. Oh, God, yeah. 100%. Although they are changing the rules, aren't they, in the Champions They They are doing a kind of their own stitch-up, aren't they, to get the, in, in quotes, big teams pretty much kind of... Um, <laughs> Uh, qualifying more big teams is that well no we we, we ran okay. a campaign against that some of the support groups that were still involved and we met with the UEFA general secretary a couple of weeks ago and they've watered that down okay. so the idea that you would have had the places almost for the European clubs with the best coefficient which would have been the protect Manchester United possibly protect you know Arsenal who knows that got thrown out what they are going to do is give an extra place to the league, the league, not the club, that has got the best coefficient. And I think that's fine because that means whether you're West Ham, Wolves, Arsenal or Manchester United, if you come fifth, you qualify for the Champions League. But it's okay. still, this is what's key, it's based on your performance yeah, in the yeah. league that season, oh, yeah. not any kind of status that, oh, Manchester United weren't good enough this year, but we'll let you in anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Okay. Um, and we are back in Europe, so no doubt I'll be following we are back in around Europe. some obscure European capitals looking for Falafel. Yeah, Thursday nights, um, fantastic. We should so, so yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess the opening question is just to to reflect on where we are. I said this a bit last week. It's quite confusing, difficult. It's it's a difficult to ascertain. I feel just how the position that Arsenal are in and how well as a club we're doing, how well Arteta's doing, how well the players are doing. Because on the one hand, we've, we're fifth, better than last season. That's an improvement. Um, we won twenty two games. We've had in, we've got enough points to have finished third in the last two seasons. Um, we've got the youngest squad in the league, as we all know, um, and yet. We had fourth place in our grasp for quite a long time. Um, we were favourites for quite a long time, a matter of months, I would say. Our January transfer window, we weakened the squad, as I as I, as I bang on about constantly. We materially weakened the squad. Um, and the team itself is still very weak mentally, I think. like They, they collapse as soon as we go score, let a goal in. We, we cannot come back from a going a goal, nil, goal down. It's un- almost unbelievable how we how feeble we are. We've been pathetic the last couple of games until today when it was just a relaxed walk in the sun because basically Everton couldn't be bothered to do anything. They were absolutely diabolical. So I don't know. Which way do you stand? Which way do you stand, Tim? What you're saying, Boyd, <laughs> is, is the glass half full or is it half empty? <laughs> yes. I, well... People that know that regularly when I come on, I will often take things back to Arsenal's governance and how well they perform with the resources they've got. The financial resources that Arsenal are spending at the moment mean they should come fifth. 
that 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 is where they're at and there is a, perhaps too much of a correlation between resource and where you come now and i think you have to say that they've come par they've done as you would expect now what they've been doing in recent years is is going below par finishing below the resources and so they've clearly improved and i guess it's really does come back to as you've just summed it up is this a a big improvement that just needs a little bit more to, to finally finish a little above the, a bit above the resources you've got or not and i actually think that it's i feel a little bit ambivalent this season and i almost can't you know i'm not wildly enthusiastic about Mikel arteta i still have doubts about the young manager and learning and what that costs us but i have no feeling that he should go and i think he deserved his contract extension and at least another year to show what he can do. I'm I very much um, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. I think I think that the vessel has 50% of the liquid within it, and we will see where that goes to, you know, next year. Yeah. As ever, yeah. it's it's fascinating, isn't it? What and much of this depends on what your competition clubs did. The, the unexpected this year in many ways was Manchester United. When I looked at when I looked at things, I thought we'd be fifth or sixth, because I thought Manchester United would probably have third or fourth, with all that investment and the quality of players they had. And then it would be a scramble with Arsenal and Spurs for fifth or sixth, if if we kind of pulled ourselves up to the quality of our squad and the resources and the advantage we had. I mean, we've just closed on the season where Arsenal have played the least number of games, is it, since 1965? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that dictates some more. But I think overall, I feel, I feel, yeah, but we had got so damn awful, hadn't we? We have got so poor in so many ways. And we've clawed a lot of that back. And I'm kind of like, yeah, kind of excited to see how they build on that for next year. And definitely excited to have some interesting European games again. Mm. Josh, I guess, like, looking at the game today, it kind of it summed up a little bit where we are, didn't it? In terms of, um, you know, when we're... When we're when they're relaxed and they're you know they've got nothing to worry about particularly no one no one expected not to do anything against Spurs, you know they did perfectly well. It's one of our biggest results of the season in terms of you know winning with a winning margin etc. And yet, but we completely capitulated the last couple of games before this, so it's it's, it's difficult, isn't it? And 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 I, you know, as Tim was saying this. There's so many kind of issues. There's so many kind of ways you can look at it as to whether we, I mean, we have improved, you know, certainly, but yet we had only one game a week this season and this was our chance. You know, Jamie Carragher was saying on Sky last week after, after the, after the Newcastle disaster, he's really worried about Arsenal because this was our chance to get into Champions League. And, you know, next year, if United are going to be, they can't be, they can't be worse. Spurs will improve if, if they, if they keep Conte still, you know, one of the best managers in the world one of the best coaches in the world allegedly Liverpool City Chelsea maybe you know we can hope well and the one to add in is and it might not be next season but Newcastle Newcastle, will clearly Newcastle will clearly be fighting for that top four in the imminent future so have we blown our chance Josh I think we all knew this was going to be the massive season to to get the opportunity but given how many new players came into the club and then got an opportunity to have roles in the team this season. I mean, we look at, you know, Tavares as as one. I'm, I'm quickly trying to see, you know, he, he played a role, I think, in, in 20 um, 
Premier League games, Lukonga, White, Odegaard, Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, to, to think that all these players came in and embedded themselves in the first team fairly quickly, possibly some, some of them unexpectedly, bodes potentially well when they're more experienced and more embedded in a second season of all playing together and the squad will have to be strengthened and we will need more players to have the resource of the Europa League games. But I think as I reflect my underlying thoughts are with Tim, in agreement with Tim, that we don't have a squad better than fifth. And actually, if we go back to that, not only, of course, we lost the first three games, we had that period where we got ha- we got smashed at Liverpool. We came back and beat Newcastle at home, but then went and beat United, uh, lost to United when they were in a really tricky moment. And then in a game that I think, you know, we'll remember for being really critical, we, we lost to Everton, having been having been 1-0 up. And we, we lost that game in the final sort of 10 minutes or so at a time where Everton were just in, in such an awful situation. But after that game, I think it's that we had 15 wins out of 23. And that is fantastic form that nearly every year would have been enough to to see us over the line. You said it, Boyd, you know, 69 points. I think third last year was, you know, was also 69. Previous year, 66 would have got you, would have got you third. So um, it is unfortunate, I think, that you would have, you would have bet really that 69 points would have, would have got you into the Champions League. And, you know, some will think if, you know, Arsenal, you know, threw it away. But again, if we, you know, of course we had that dreadful run, Palace, Brighton, Southampton. But then in some ways to get ourselves back in contention of the successive wins against Chelsea, Man United, West Ham uh, and Leeds, to have got ourselves in that position, then, you know, we we flipped, didn't we, from being underdogs to favourites in the race. But I think losing away at Tottenham was, you know, if we're honest, no huge surprise. And, and Newcastle, since the turn of the year and their investment are effectively third in the table. And we've we just massively underperformed on the night. But I don't know that you can say that Arsenal have choked or hugely thrown it away. I think it feels like that because of the way that the fixtures have, have fallen I mean- and... You know, I, I, I think ultimately, you know, they did choke, Josh. They did, they did choke. choke. A bit. Yeah, they did choke. <laughs> we have if if hold if if we if we slug. I think there was Spurs. one dreadful wait, performance wait a at Newcastle, and I and I, I was there to witness it at Tottenham. That first twenty minutes wasn't terrible, and unfortunately, as soon as the penalty went against them, they you know there was a head loss from holding. I think we we had one well, that's... awful awful performance in that sort of last half a dozen six seven games. We threw it away before then, really, in that run of run of three. But that was the game, wasn't it? The Spurs and Newcastle games were the games, and the way you know the way they played out feels very much like choking to me. If Spurs had done that, we would have absolutely, you know, laid into them. Hang on, if Spurs, Spurs had come to Arsenal and lost three nil, I mean, we we did beat. What did we beat them? Three one earlier in the season, then no, they've I gone mean, away to Newcastle and lost. Yeah, right. Second last in, game of the season. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it would have been that shocked. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, we would have absolutely said they choked it. That's what I'm saying. And, and, and they would have done. And we have. I think we have choked. I, I, I hate to say it, and I hope no Spurs fan ever listens to the, to the podcast because I don't want them to, you know, exploit what I'm saying. But well, this might be the one they do. <laughs> if we're honest, if we're honest, Tim, there is a choking element. Isn't there? And I do think, I don't blame it. For t- I mean, people have said it's because of the youth of the team. I think the old players choked as well. You know, I think it was the experienced players that choked as much as the young ones in that you know, in that Rob Holding is, is is an experienced player, and he was he was king choker in that game. The way he attacked that game, people have said, you know, people have said. I, I've heard people say that. Um, 
we should have played for draws more. You know, we should have we should have played less. We should have kind of held our heads and not blaming Arteta tactically in those games, and that we should have been calmer because we only really needed draws. If we had have got draws rather than two defeats, we would have we would have. You know, I'm just saying what people have said. Josh is looking furious at me, but no. Even if we'd have got two more draws, you know, didn't we finish two points behind them? No, I think we finished one point behind them. Two points. Oh, two points behind them. You're right. Two points. So two draws wouldn't have wouldn't have changed anything. The goal difference was was so superior. We did draw an exceptionally few amount of games. Three mm. must be the lowest we've done in the 38 Premier League season. I mean, we lost the same amount of games, uh, 13, as we did last year. We just won, um, you know, won four more and drew four less, and it just wasn't enough points. But you know, the progress is taking... there from 61 to, yeah. to 69 points. Because I think you go back to sort of Palace, Brighton, Southampton, and then, you know, you're looking at the table then, and you're almost thinking, wow, look at this table get the points here when we're, we're, we're sort of home and dry. And I think that you could almost see the players in, in some way that, that suddenly they were the favourites and it's a different mantle mm. to wear. And then yeah. a young squad and a squad that's not really been through it before and a manager who certainly hasn't. And in many ways, I mean, you know, it's, it's bloody annoying, isn't it? But Spurs got themselves Conte. And they've got, you know, in people like Kane and so on, well, world-class players, but also they've got all the know-how to handle the sort of the final few weeks. And it's extraordinary. And it, it sort of makes me wonder how much you are absolutely ruthless around your manager rather than kind of going that we've got a long-term project here. Because you look at Spurs, you know, after 10 games and you wouldn't have bet them coming in the top half. And they were ruthless mm. and went after someone that absolutely knows how to do it. And look where they've got to. And I don't think I'm advocating that that's quite where we should have done. But I also think you need to be careful of sort of settling for it's going to get better next year. It's a long-term project because, you know, as Kane said, we're dead in the long term. You know, mm. and I, you know, football is about results now. And I do, you know, you asked Boyd about the Jamie Gallagher point, and it does worry me that you reach a point where you get up to six, seven, eight years without the Champions League and you've suddenly sort of created a financial structure with a different model, um, a playing squad that's not used to it. So even if you do get into it, it will be incredibly hard to stay there. And I think these are quite sobering times for mm. the owners of the club who did some financial readjustments last year, not with their money, by the way, with Arsenal's money, sort of but that flow, released cash flow and placed more debt on the club. But are they going to do that again? Or mm. how are we going to invest in the level that's likely to bring forth? Because we are, we are in danger of becoming a perpetual Europa League team. Yeah, I agree with that. I, th- I think that is my. I worry about that a lot because I feel that you know. I think I think it's very disturbing that we didn't strengthen the team in January. And I know people say, you know, I mean, everyone involved said, well, we just you know couldn't get the players, but we tried desperately to get Vlavic, didn't we? Which, which never felt like a realistic thing. And now I notice now when Arteta's asked about it, he kind of implied, I believe you know, in recent press conferences that he did want, he's annoyed that we didn't strengthen in January and he's annoyed how that played out. It's kind of up to him as the manager to really push, force those things through. And I worry that 
if that we're kind of in a constant cycle of the club never quite I feel it reminds me of the late Wenger period you know or even the second half of the Wenger period where we never quite did enough to take us over the line of where we wanted to be and yeah we could we couldn't end up in perpetual Europa League fifth sixth seventh position which you know I, I think that would be quite annoying considering you know the, the potential that we have we just need to do a little bit more and if we don't if we don't buy a, quite a lot of players this summer, I mean, you know, it, it feels like a constant level of rebuilding. Yeah. And um, we have a huge challenge coming because we've got to be ready for playing more games with yeah. the squad. We've yeah. also got, and of course, look, it's going to affect everybody, but I actually think next year's Premier League table will be determined by the players that have good World Cups or not and how they come back out of their, those World Cups and pick up their club form. Because they're... They're going to come out, you know how it works, that they're literally like finishing Premier League the week before they go off and play. How many will see a dip in performance in those final weeks because they're protecting themselves to play for their countries? It's the pinnacle of most players' careers to go off and play for their country. Then they come back out of the World Cup. And if they've got through to the semi-finals or finals, they can kind of come back on December the 19th and then go into the English crazy Christmas New Year period games and we can't we don't know at the moment but you know I one thing that really worries me and I've I've said and got kind of like my head bitten off a bit but I think both Arsenal and England have criminally overplayed Saka you know I think that lad has played too much football that's good for him but how if he is you know meant to go on Arsenal's pre-season tour because he's a star player and he's signed into the contracts for that. Then he has to play a full Premier League. Then he goes off and he's England star man. Yeah, What's that going to mean for us? Of course, it will affect other teams. But back to your point, Boyd, we are understaffed to cope with the most hectic season ever of English football. Josh? No, just to pick up on that point about Saka, I think today... Um, meant that he actually played all a, a, yeah. a part in all 38 Premier League games, which is truly extraordinary. Um, it, I it guess is, well, of course, he didn't play any to... European games, Josh. So, it, yeah, it, it's I, I a guess, stat but also, it's not quite as severe when you put it in the context of and, and no FA Cup run. Yes, but let's not also forget that the previous year he was the outfield player with the most appearances in the Premier League as well, only behind behind Burton Leno. So you're talking huge input They've overplayed him. him. I'm convinced they've overplayed him and it's not good for him. Huge input, you know, um, season straight into Euros. You know, he couldn't have played any more league football, you know, this season. I think two, two two substitutes appearances on. So he's missed a few minutes, but... um, I mean, the, yeah, the work he's got through this season has been extraordinary. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Tim. So we've got to spend, but we, you know, how much do they need to spend? How long is a piece of string? <laughs> how good is the scouting department? We'll find out. Mm. Uh, but I don't um, have think you Arsenal seen, have uh, got bundles of money to spend. Tim, have you seen any of the uh, Amazon uh, doc? Obviously, Boyd is a, a big friend of the of the show that's being made, but have you seen any of it yet? No, not yet. Um, I must say, look, I, we, I will watch every minute of it and it will be interesting. But having been told the editorial control that is placed on it, I don't think it will be that enlightening. It's not got editorial freedom. It's got final sign-off by the club. And if you look at the other Amazon ones, it's so staged, isn't it? It's, oh, here is Vinay dropping in 
Oh, Mikkel for a chat. Oh, here's Josh Cronkey fist bumping with Mikkel. By the way, Josh Cronkey, I think, has only been in London two or three times the entire year. There's been a real drop-off in of involvement from the Cronkey family, certainly in terms of attending. Y- you know what I mean, Boyd? It, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned Fullwell at the beginning. The, the, yeah. the brilliant Fullwell one at Sunderland was brilliant because it was genuinely fly on the wall. I think you'd be surprised by. I mean, I watched the I watched the Man City one, and I think what actually they do rather cleverly is they do. I mean, they do liaise with the club. Obviously, they have to get you know permission for all kinds of things. But I think it's I well I I think it's an exaggeration to say the the I think they have discussions, <laughs> but. The fact is that there is loads of there will be loads of fly in the wall proper fly in the wall footage. I mean, I've seen the, the the beginning of the first episode, which features the players coming back from um, being away for the first game of the season, and there's Aubameyang arriving in his gold Lamborghini, whatever the fuck it is, wearing his gold trainers, and Lacazette greets him, going, "Oh, golden boy," etc., uh, etc. Et now, that is a poignant, ironic moment that the club isn't going to go, oh, you can't show that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 there's stuff, it's going to say stuff about our season. You learn without... an awful lot, even if right. it's scripted, is what right. you're saying. I it's not scripted. It's definitely not scripted. That, that's, uh, they, they would, I guarantee you it's not scripted. This is, it, this is all, the, all of these shows, they, they may set up a situation where they have a camera ready for a meeting. Sorry, that's what I meant. When I said scripted, yeah. I kind of yeah. meant, like, you, you chief executive are going to meet you sure. manager. Sure. We'll film it, have yeah. your chat. But, you, but, you know, but that's any, I mean, that's pretty much any documentary, including Forward 73 ones. But what I'm saying is we will find out a lot about the way the team are, the individuals, sure. the way Arteta, I think the way Arteta, I think we found out a lot from the way Arteta is from the Do you think we'll see Aubameyang's exit interview or do you think one day he just won't be there? I think one day he just won't be there. I think there'll be a line, I think there'll be a very, um, shall we say, just line of narration saying Aubameyang was by the club. Suddenly, <laughs> that was weird. I think they will allude to, you know, I think they will stuff may be alluded to rather than explicitly shown. But yeah, if that's the way. If there's, if there's one moment of the year, yeah, we need to see. Yeah, right. it's the Arteta visit to the States to see Stan Kroenke, mm. and you know, just ahead of the January transfer window, and no investment, and what went on there. Was it, in effect, contract renewal? Was it about spending in January? We're not going to spend, but don't worry. Wherever we finish, we'll keep going with you. But I feel that's pivotal. It does piss me off a little bit, but, you know, it's, I suppose it's the nature of a modern football club that Arteta has to interrupt his season to go and see them <laughs> rather than them managing to make it over to see him. But that, that's the one I'd like to see. Mm. That's the one to me. That's absolutely fascinating. What exactly was the decision when we were doing in such a good position in January, but not to invest in one or two players? Which, And I get the don't invest and get it wrong and then be stuck with them for three years and don't panic. I totally buy into it. But I also think when you come back to those missing two points and you think of not signing anyone in January and what might have happened... Mm, glass half full, glass half empty again. I agree. I, I my, for me though, going back, just I, I think the Aubameyang story is the story that is really going to be difficult for them to deal with because they can't. You know, he he is a big. That was a massive move on Arteta's part, and 
you know, there was a whole disciplinary issue in the build-up to it. And, you know, they can't just, they can't completely draw a veil over that. They're going to have to allude to that, to that, aren't they, Josh? And I feel like that was a massive, that's a big, I still feel, and I know, I know, I know it's raking over old stuff, but as much as not buying anyone in January was letting our best striker go in January. And I know the reasons, and I know it's all, all of the, all of the, but I still think it's extraordinary and you don't see it any other club. Can you think of any other club where what one of, if not your best player, and I know he was in bad form early in the season, players come out of bad form, you know, blah, blah, blah. But to to let him go like that and to not strengthen is pretty incredible. And I still think that had a massive impact. And I, I would like to see how they cover that in the documentary. Yes, Josh. No, we'll have to cover it. Not least, of course, you alluded to the North London derby where Arteta made it very public mm. that, that he was leaving out Aubameyang for disciplinary reasons and I guess they're going to have to in some way and it'll be interesting how they do PR it the Vlajevic attempt that became fairly public I guess that you know the Arsenal were genuinely interested they were genuinely trying to bring him to the club and we'll all now sit here and wonder what if a player of that quality had, had come in to the club in January so it'll be interesting to see how that is portrayed and uh, clearly they'll you know presumably was a direction of well, if we can't get our first choice target, we don't have a satisfactory alternative. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting to to see how that goes. And I'd like to think it would be slightly better handled than some of what we did see in Sunderland Till I Die, where I'm trying to remember the name of the striker that, that ends up signing on, on deadline day for the money just seems to go, <laughs> go up at the last moment um, in rather sort of um, hilarious circumstances. So, What's we'll look forward to watching it, but just uh, it doesn't have the happy ending we all we all wish for. When, when is it slated for broadcast yet, Boyd? You, have you got a timetable for when we'll be watching it? No, I think it's they tend to be they tend to wait till about August to 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 um, show it. I, yeah. I thought that again one of the things about it being having an element of control, which I understand you've got to manage these things, is you get the next season underway, so it starts to feel a little bit more historical, if you yeah. like. Yeah. and therefore not impacting on reputation right. or performance yes. so much. So yeah, I would have thought the autumn. Yeah, I think I think I think late summer, early autumn. Yeah, because of course the season starts earlier, doesn't it, than ever? Because of the oh of the gosh, it World does. Cup. Yeah, something like yeah. August the third or yeah. something. Yeah, so I think yeah. it'll be six. 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 Okay, I think it'll be that week. I mean, this is a guess on my part. I don't know. I haven't been told, but I think I think it will be very much tied in with that. You um, haven't been told, but you are very close to the people. <laughs> Good, good friend they of me, they, they took me annoyingly uh, the, 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 um, and prime video had a launch a big launch that's where they showed this these clips of the of the first episode and it was the big announcement was that daniel kaluuya hollywood actor brilliant actor who i do know a bit who's an arsenal fan he's the narrator he's narrating the whole thing and that was going to be a big reveal that i was down to host this section of their big launch day at prime video and i was going to interview do a q a with daniel kaluuya um in front of you know uh, last week but in the end he's stuck in he's in la making a film or whatever so they couldn't do it and they and so yeah I, it, but i'm that to that extent i'm involved and i know them but um i don't know the ins and outs of of what it's going to be on etc but I, th- I do hear the other thing i heard was that to Arsenal much were very good to deal with. They they very much the producers very much, you know, kind of. It, it, there was a lot of mutual respect, shall we say, between the production company and Arsenal. Yes, but we should talk a little bit 
about the game. We haven't really talked at all about the game today, the last game of the season. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And I think I'd like to hear our player of the year. I want marks out of 10 for Arteta, how well he's done this year, etc. And we'll be back. We'll do all of that after this break. And we're back from the break. Josh, the, just to, to talk about the, it was a quite a weird event, wasn't it, today, in a way, the game, because you had the situation where none of us really thought Norwich were going to ever do anything against Tottenham, really. I mean, you know, there's always the vague possibility, but it always seemed kind of, it almost made it more annoying that it was so vague, that possibility. Then there was, in fact, it was the last game of the season that there was a kind of, um, there was, they, they used that song, the, anth- the anthemic song was played at the beginning of the match again, which went down quite well. Um Everton were absolutely terrible. Could barely be bothered, it seemed to me. And Arsenal, you know, kind of just, it was a fairly kind of easy stroll in the park. And then once all the results, I think there was a lot of like, once the once the scores came through from all the other games, the Liverpool game and the City game, it was like, there was kind of murmurings that like people were more much more interested in that, in those games and the incredible season, the ending last day of the season things than the game that was going on in front of us. It was all a bit odd, wasn't it? It was really. I, I, I sensed really the last twenty minutes of the game. It felt like half the people around me were were just trying to desperately get some data on their phones to reload, and it was a case of does the bloke to your left or right have got data quick? And I, I, mine was not having it. I, I I was doing all right until about sixty minutes and getting getting some updates, and then my phone didn't really get a signal for for the last half an hour it did make me heart back and i appreciate I'm, I'm younger than both of you but it did make me heart back to just those um images you would always get on the last day of a season of, of someone with a portable radio i used to have a little a blue speaker. radio <laughs> but with you know close to an ear with a you know <laughs> uh, trying to desperately get some signal to to hear the news to to let everyone know um nowadays we don't have that and i apparently there was even an instant at anfield where that they thought maybe that Villa had had even got a late equaliser to make it three three, and, and you know the, the some of the crowd were impacted by that. But it, it was a, a strange atmosphere. Well, part, part not the of first Arsenal's time. stadium investment, Josh, is supposed to be dealing with this issue. So a long time making sure that the rain no longer comes in through the roof, and there are TV <laughs> screens that work. There is on the list is making sure you can get data. Yeah. yeah, it's so intermittent. It's ridiculous. In fact, I had my experience was my phone was kind of like on and off throughout. Like every kind of 20, 25 minutes, it would it would work suddenly. And I went, I had that experience of going, oh my God, this Man City are 2 0 down, Liverpool all lived. And then and there were like 3 2 in about a second, in about a millisecond. It was all <laughs> over. It was really annoying. And then to see the Everton fans, oh my yes. God, the Everton fans were absolutely ecstatic, bouncing up and down as if their fucking useless team had not just lost 5-1 and just about scraped staying in the league. They were absolutely delirious. I guess if it, if it had been, yeah, would I guess we would have been delirious. Of course if, we would have, if yeah. that was Tottenham. Of course right. we would. And they'd, and they'd been 2-0 in the jeopardy that, I know. you know, Liverpool fans must have been thinking that, it, you know, all they needed to do was get a goal to win the title. Yeah, I think we probably would have been celebrating. It was a strange one for us. And it wasn't the first time that we've sat there at the Emirates Stadium on the last day of the season and, and cruised to a victory when there was nothing really to uh, to play for. 
I guess, you know, credit credit to the team. There were some good performances today. Everton were really, you know, changed, weren't they? they? You know, yeah. all over the, all over the pitch. I think they it was Deli Alley's first start. Yeah, he was um, terrible. He change was of terrible, goalkeeper, yeah. a couple of changes in defence, no Richarlison. It, it was a, a much changed Everton side, so I'm not sure how much we can, you know, read into it. But, you know, it, it was pleasing. I think 69 points is a, is a really good effort that, you know, We'll go. Did you stay for the lap of honour, Boyd? I did. Yeah, I did. Um, lap yeah. of appreciation. Lap Josh. of appreciation. Sorry, of appreciation. you're quite was, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've now. What did had you spot year- during it, Boyd? I what spotted, did you spot? Um, well, it's first of years and years of rather desultory um, lap of appreciation, shall we say? Um, they took a hell of a long time to come back out. Oh, uh, I yeah. so nearly left. That did delay. you? I was getting a yeah. bit bored. We, everyone was. It was ridiculous. I felt for the poor announcers. That's, by that point, was sticking on, you know, bloody sweet, sweet Caroline. Caroline. Yeah. Um, it took a long time. It was like Arteta's probably droning on at them. You know, just let them go. Just give it, give it up. You know, let them come out. And Do then you think Lacazette was making a really emotional well, goodbye speech. I was surprised that they didn't say because he seemed to say in the press conference afterwards that they've decided what to do about Lacazette. Yeah, it's goodbye to Lacazette. Well, he was waving. I mean, he couldn't he have done more. Very waving much waving goodbye. He was. He was. You're right. But then they didn't announce it, and it was like, it's going to end all in a bit of a kind of like he just shuffles off, and for some reason Arteta didn't want to clarify that those those situations fair enough i suppose but it is a weird one isn't it i know what i did notice is these whole all the, the all of these lap of appreciations now about getting your kids on the pitch with you isn't it? it's all about so ben white for example was carrying his little baby must be i don't know like a matter of months old if that and i'm like how much is this little baby going to remember about this experience the little kids in their arsenal kit is very cute you know there was loads of those but an actual little baby um uh gabrielle had is also a little baby carrying around with him i thought it was funny that's just kind of clearly for the sake of a nice family picture it's all fine mm. i suppose it was all sweet yeah i i thought the lacazette thing was was you know i was keeping an eye about his his sort of body language, yeah, it does feel strange. You know, if he if he clearly is off, you know, here is someone who, you know, five years of being a a pretty central part of the team, over two hundred appearances, you know, for the club, and to sort of go out in this kind of unannounced, strange way, and I don't know, I, I'll give it a week before there's some kind of emotional Instagram message about, you know, yeah. his five years at the club. Maybe he'll do a goodbye video, but it just seemed a shame that he wasn't, yeah, you agree. know, given the opportunity. It wasn't, you know, he, he has been, a, you know, a, a key part of the club. He is, you know, part of our side that, you know, won an FA Cup, took us to a European final. It would have been nice to, you know, see mm. see a bit more of um, him. But I yeah. did... Um, the the it's Peter who of course does the DJing, um, and he was doing the song when I thought oh he's trying he's trying to get the crowd going for that because it but he didn't really like it no um. Yeah, it was it was it was fun. Tim, what do you think about clearly Lacazette? I mean, and Eddie, Eddie and Ketia feel like he's he's almost he's going as well. It's well, that's, in many ways, I feel that's a much more interesting one. Yeah, because you know Lacazette is clearly going. Look at the age profile. Look at where we need to go. And Ketia, I think, probably does need to go if we really want to talk about. We have to start being ruthless when mm. we think about being a Champions League club. But there's a little bit of me that can see with the amount of change coming that he's not a bad sort of third choice striker or someone to have there when you need more in your squad. But I think he'll go as well um, because I think they'll be freeing up salary and positions for one or two big signings. But let's see. 
And apparently Elneny is going to stay for another. I read that. Well, I saw some sort of shots suggesting that he'd been seen sort of doing something staged with a piece of pen and paper in the press room or something. Yeah. Who knows? But there are, you do need squad depth, don't you? Particularly when you, you know, you, you want to be playing 12 more games next year because you want to be going deep into the Europa League and you want to be doing better in the FA Cup. So you do need your solid players that know what they're yeah. doing, two or three of them. So I would be have no problem with El Nenny staying, particularly if it had an element of pay as you play or was on a you know a very modest salary level. I agree. Yeah, yeah. That, it was uh, Kaya Kanak from um, Arsenal Writer for Football LDN posted those pictures of Mohamed El Nenny in the FC press room today after the game, posing for pictures with the club photographer. Appears to be holding a pen with a piece of paper in front of him. What could he be doing? <laughs> <laughs> signing autographs, saying goodbye. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it will it will have to be announced. And, of course, one of the things that is difficult for the clubs is they need to make decisions quite quickly on some players because the players will go off and find other clubs. But they might not want to make that decision quickly because they might be waiting to find out if the big target will accept or not. Um, and these things are a little bit like dominoes. And, of course... You know, I'd sort of look forward to a summer of switching off and it's cricket and then Wimbledon comes around and so on. But you end up getting sucked into every single clickbait headline, don't you? What are Arsenal going to do? Who are they going to sign? Yeah, I mean, we're linked now with with um, half of Man City. I can't see... Gabriel Jesus, right, we, we've been linked with quite quite strongly. I cannot, for under the life of me, understand why he would want to join Europa League Arsenal, he's played a lot of games in the last couple of months, a lot of crucial games. He scored, you know, he scored four goals in one game. Um, the best, the most best, most valuable young striker in the world is joining them, sure. But he, he, he'll still get games, won't he? He'll still... I, I, well, I mean, again, I come back to my point about the World Cup. What he'll really want to do is get games in August, September, October to get himself picked for the Brazil World Cup squad. Maybe that gives an advantage if you can guarantee that he plays. What does City do? I was going to say about sort of allowing someone to join a rival, but then I thought, well, do Manchester City think of Arsenal as rivals at the no. moment? Yeah, no. <laughs> this is not up. like... Wake up, Tim. You really are yeah. jet-lagged. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is not when they took Sanya, Clichy, Torre, Nasri, and we really were sort of in that fourth spot kind of, uh, place and competitive. I think he's likely. I do think oh, that, that okay. I'd have that in my in the in the very likely basket. Oh, okay. Um, but Fair of enough. course, you know, everything moves at a level above Arsenal, and then this is the problem about being Europa League year after year. You don't get first pick. You don't even get second or third pick. Now, the yeah. seismic news today is Mbappe staying at PSG, mm. having apparently spent a year telling Madrid, "Don't worry, we're coming here." But where do Madrid go? There were some talks that one of their options is Richarlison at Everton. Now, if Richarlison leaves Everton, they certainly don't let Carrot Lewis go anywhere, do they? Do you see what I mean? There's, yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah, of like, yeah. this is where you just don't know how, yeah. the, how the dice are going to kind of fall yeah. for Arsenal yeah. within, the, within the structures. Yeah. 
And uh, incredible, isn't it? That La Liga is complaining. Is that right to to UEFA about the about the Mbappe deal? They seem to be complaining that... to everybody, including the European Court, the UN. Yeah, I mean, considering and, uh, how, what Barcelona and Real Madrid have done, you know, in, in recent years, it seems unbelievable to me. They're it's really, really about... unfair that Real Madrid yeah. aren't allowed to just buy everybody right. that they want. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We're also linked with Gundogan, aren't we? As well. I mean, talking of you know. Oh, brilliant! Completely turned that game round today. I can't. I mean, I couldn't really? believe we were linked with him like, like, at some point last week. I, I can't see that happening either. Why? What, you know, he's been one of their players of the season, Josh. Yeah, I, I don't see that one uh, happening either. But it's uh, it's nice to know that it's the twenty second of May. The season has only been over for three and a half <laughs> hours, and here we are, already desperately clinging to the hope that we're signing two players that Manchester City possibly don't don't want next season. Um, and at least August the sixth is earlier than usual, so we'll, we'll we'll know what we're doing sooner than we might have done in a in a normal season. But we we obviously need reinforcements. I mean, the El Nenny story is an interesting one because that story literally seems to have broken by accident. In that the the photos are worth looking at on Twitter from the uh, the journalist that you you mentioned there um, earlier from football football London, Kaya Kanak seems to have literally just walked past the door yeah. and seen one of the club photographers at a piece of paper. I mean, you know, I, I don't think there's a, there's too much to guess what's going on. It's put Arteta in a difficult spot when he's then been asked about it in the press conference. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it's fairly obvious uh, what's happened there. Ask, but look, me... we, we, we will have loads of new play- I mean, realistically, we're, we're going to have loads of new signings Um between now there and are August, some, there are some, and, and some big decisions. I mean, when we talk about about loan players, Tim, as well, much bigger decision about Pepe. You know, yeah. that in yeah. arguably Pepe. the biggest decision in terms of yeah. asset, and then Saliba. You know, they are arguably yeah. the, the, the big ones. We're kind of at the margins with El Nenny, aren't we? We really yeah. are. Yeah. Um, Saliba, yeah, the Saliba situation is fascinating, isn't it? Because he did. You know, he's in Europe. He's in the Champions League. Um, it's like, you know, and you know, he did in a, in a post-match interview, I believe. I mean, depending on your translating skills and the extent to which the whole thing, in, but of course, he said, "Yeah, he's really looking forward to playing in the Champions League." <laughs> and you know, I, I, I still, I've always said, I've been saying for a long time that I don't think he'll ever play for Arsenal. I, I'm still, with you, Boyd. Something yeah. smells wrong there. Like the manager 100%. just decided he didn't like something. And it's been weird all the way through, but I don't yeah. think he'll ever be in an Arsenal shirt. No. And it's sad because he's now one of the best young defenders in Europe. And, you know, you could say if, if we get him back, I mean, I have to say if we do actually, if he does actually come back, come back to us, having become one of the best young um, central defenders in Europe, that would be a fucking triumph in a way, wouldn't it? It'd be like, oh, well, the plan really worked. But as you say, I can't yeah. see it. He doesn't seem in the vaguest bit interested in coming to Arsenal for a start. I mean, he, you know, I've read quite a few quotes from him and he never, ever talks about, you know, that uh, Arsenal at all. It just don't seem to, and if a player's not that bothered, then I, I can imagine also Arteta kind of sticking to his, not not being that interested. I don't know. What do you think, Josh? Are we being particularly pessimistic? Well, the, the quotes that have seemed to have come out of the club are, are not conclusive, are they? Um, but but there's obviously something that's that's gone on there. And I don't think it's encouraging to hear Saliba say that he wants to stay. Those kind of comments make you think that maybe... There's already been those kind of conversations. Um, on the face of it, for what everything has been reported, we would most definitely want him in our squad. So hopefully our, our instinct is is wrong on that. But there's some major decisions as well about, you know, a number of the players that have gone out 
on loan. Do we, do we still own Torreira? For how long do we own I think, him? Yeah, I think his yeah. contract is uh, one more year. So, you know, you, you've always got Torreira, Maitland Niles went out. You know, Balogun is about the only striker actually contracted to the club in about 10 days' time, I think. So, yeah, huge decisions to uh, to make. You imagine Bernd Leno is probably not up for another season on the bench, so there's, there's going to be another sort of backup goalkeeper, you assume, who's going to want to come back into the club. Uh, Has he got a year left, Leno? Or I thought it finished. I thought he was on a free. Um, or is it just acknowledged that he will go? Uh, I will, I will double-check that. Uh, because my, my immediate thought there is that that makes Arsenal weaker because, you know, your backup goalkeeper is clearly yeah. very solid, very good Premier League keeper, plays for the Germany squad. Yeah. He has and got it looks one more like he's too. been replaced by... He's got one more year. So, yeah, one more year. But, um, you know, he will want to go somewhere for the same reason that he will want to get three months playing every week before the World yeah. Cup squads are picked. But, you know, if he goes, which I think is, is written in as guaranteed, then Arsenal are immediately weaker, in my view. I think mean, there's, there's a goalkeeper coming in from the States. Now, terribly stereotypical of me, but someone coming out the MLS is not going to replace Bernd Leno at, at calibre. Yeah, but it makes you think that that is a preparation for Leno going. Uh, yes. And what about your boy Bellerin? Uh, one more year on his contract as well back out. Of course. Wow. And they kind of weren't they weren't they going to crowd fund or something to try and keep buy him? Yeah, but Boyd's doing an equal crowdfund on Arsenal side to try and make sure that he stays. So I think we're going to equal it out. With some of, I, I some think of I'm Boyd, over it. Some I of Boyd's I'm, friends will really no. put their hands in the pockets to keep him. So we're all right. <laughs> what would you do though? In all, what about Gwendouzi? Is he was he alone or was he is he actually fully gone? Is, is that he's just a... I thought he was sold to my... Oh, bro, you're probably oh, right. What have we checking. done there? I was just checking. He, de- right. he definitely won't be coming back. But no. this this does bring, I think, quite an interesting discussion about Arteta. And, you know, is he, you know, he burns bridges with players very quickly, doesn't he? Yes. You know, for different reasons. And it might be right, it might be wrong, but everybody from Gwendouzi to Saliba to Aubameyang to others, you're in or you're out. Does an older, more experienced manager be a little bit more pragmatic? Yes. And maybe take the... I don't like you, or yes. you're not like my squad now, but I need you until May and you need me. Completely. Rather than this kind of, yeah. you're bombed out, I'm going to just rely on a very small, tight squad, which is why, you know, I think he deserved his contract with you, and I don't worry too much about how long it's for, because you write sensible clauses, or you hope that you write sensible clauses in, which are like, if you don't get Champions League next year, we can terminate you at a very low level type clause. Mm. I wouldn't quite say it like that. But I do still think that, you know, I think next year Arteta has to get Champions League qualification or almost get it and do very, very well in a cup where you have to say, are you really the right person for us? I think he's earned the next year. Yeah. to still keep proving it, but I think it's far from nailed think, on. Yeah, I think there is a defence of his um, of his reign in terms of falling out with those players and wanting to be a disciplinarian. I think I think the defence is that he Arsenal particularly shambolic, haven't we? We've been completely shambolic when it comes to discipline of the squad and you know going back to and that goes back to late Wenger period when it just felt like any any player could get away with anything. And yes. they were, and there was not, and I feel like 
part of the project is to tighten all that up to yeah. instill a sense of discipline. Now, for me, the, the only problem with that is that you completely cut off your nose to spite your face, particularly with Aubameyang, I think is an absolute classic example of that. And I think so, you, 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 and he's also shown in various other ways, you know, in his reign, that he's willing to forgive certain players, certain things, and other players, not things. You have to be completely consistent, and you can never be that consistent because it's always better sometimes to err on the side of being pragmatic. And the other thing I was going to say is that I feel like he's, I think a bigger problem than the discipline is the mental weakness. And I think he's not only has he not managed to arrest that, he's actually, in some ways, it's even worse. I feel like we used to come back from going, I mentioned at the beginning, we used to come back from being able to go a golden down a lot. You know, it's one of our things that Arsenal would do is we can cope with coming back. And you always think, oh, there's always hope. This season has been a complete disaster where that's concerned. And it is insane, as Josh mentioned, that three draws. We either win and we're we're comfortable and confident, or we completely fall apart and we and we're disastrous mentally. And I think a lot is that down to him. Like that Newcastle game, the fact that he could not instill in that group of players a sense of confidence, you know, over a team that we clearly should beat Newcastle. I know they're at home and everything. I thought it was worrying. Um, but Josh, what are you going to say about the whole um, situation with getting players in, letting players go, etc.? Well, first, I was just going to confirm that Guendouzi has gone. Oh, great. I mean, they, they announced back in March that Good he was going to, join, so. yeah. Yeah. going to join Marseille permanently. I think only for £9 million. So it's not going to hugely wow. uh, boost what, what we have in terms of financial resource to to invest. But he, he is gone. Look, the, the squad has been has been massively trimmed down but that it has been trimmed down by a lot of a, a lot of loan players and you assume there is a desire to to shift them out and you wonder if he's going to have to shift the, quite a few out before start to to get some in but the planning you like to think has been going on for you know an element of time there has to have been a case you know scenario a we get in the champions league and scenario b europa league and possibly scenario c no europe football again so you know if we go back to probably how we all viewed this season might go and how the club possibly viewed it then you know I guess it's plausible there's there actually is going to be a little bit more resource than you know some scenarios would have would have taken us down so there are those yeah. there are those a friend of mine Edmund Moriarty who's a who's a um, TV uh, producer director in fact he's is he involved made- in the Amazon documentary no He's not, but he has made the forthcoming Who Do You Think You Are with Matt Lucas. And in fact, they were filming at the Emirates a couple of weeks ago. Brilliant. Um, Matt, in, Matt in the ground. And Edmund, Edmund messaged me and he talked about, there are, and he's not alone, there are people who say that if we had got into Champions League, Tim, this season, it would have been too early and it would have been a disaster because our thin squad would have been stretched beyond all reason, you know, um, playing your best players twice a week because you can't really play that weaker team, can you, when you're in the Champions League situation? So whereas in the Europa, maybe we can play more younger players, more youth players. I don't know. It's a view. I disagree with it, but it's a view. No, I I, I did go through the thought process myself of is this something you do as a progression? But then I concluded that the extra financial resources you're given, but also the almost the status it gives to the club in signing and retaining players, that I don't think that's right. And actually, you can see that by the own demeanour of the club and the players in the last few weeks, can't you? Um, yeah. But I understand the, the point that's raised. Yeah, I, under, yeah. I, I understand yeah. the point that's been raised. Yeah, Josh, just specifically, what would you do with, um, you, you know, with, uh, I don't know, certain... Well, Certain key players. But well, the mean, big ones, Pepe. Pepe. What what would you do with Pepe? That's exactly? massive. What, what would you do then? To no, it's, it's time to time to go. go. Uh, I think on on Pepe. Sadly, um, 
But the but, big but, thing for me was he went to AFCON. He had a good AFCON. Arteta gave it the big one about how he's seen a different player in training and how you know you know great he's been um, since. And yet the the proof was you know totally you know totally you know n- not there in terms of. But he didn't play. Um, did he? he just he didn't play. He he, he refused basically to to turn to him when you know he had opportunity after opportunity to to do so. And when you know we did go through some ropey patch in the trio of games we lost, it wasn't like he suddenly turned to Pepe and went, you know what, you're you're my man. I th- I'm looking here, six hundred and eighty-one minutes of Premier League football this year for Pepe in the Premier League. I mean, for what, your is... third, your third highest earner in the squad. Well, you know, maybe higher than that after Aubameyang's gone. And, you know, by some way, your most expensive signing. I mean, you know, we, the two players we talked about here, Saliba and Pepe, a hundred million pound worth of asset on the books. As if some of it is written down mm. um, now, because it's not happened immediately, but my God, there was a period where money was just frittered away. Five starts, five starts yeah. in the Premier League all yeah. season for Pepe. It, I think he has to go almost whatever because clearly, as Josh has just articulated, the manager doesn't trust him or believe in him. No, so you know, I mean, there is yeah. there is a school of thought that says if if the most you can get for him is like a twelve million, I don't know, from a from a Palace or a Southampton, are you almost better off to keep him? You know, is there more yeah, than 12 that's million I was going to ask. In, yeah. as a squad player, as a cameo player in what he can do? But then I come back to the fact that if the manager has got such little faith, you're actually better off clearing out and mm. sort of st- st- starting again. And it would be a big salary release, although knowing what he's on and where he's at. Arsenal might have to pay off the salary to get him to move on. Or you're back to a situation where he's given to someone for free in order for them to pick up the salary. Because he, he, yeah. he ain't joining a Champions League perspective club, I don't think. I'm just, just looking here. Is it, is it, do you know the last time he started a game in the Premier League? Um, it was the two-all draw against Crystal yeah. Palace in October. I was going to say last October. time that he was yeah. uh, he yeah. was yeah. I mean, So that tells you everything, I, I, really. Yeah, but we're saying it, it's what we're saying is it's more he, he is capable. But I mean, he came on in that Newcastle game and he was terrible, wasn't he? He was absolutely terrible. We gave the ball away like about five times in the first ten. But everyone was terrible in that game. Yeah. To be fair, like and, he might say he's not played enough, Lloyd. Right, well, of course, yeah. But and I think I, I, mean, I mean that's another thing is that the lack of rotation you talked about it with Saka. I mean that's a play he could have played if some of those yeah. games if he'd arrested Saka, for example. Um, Emil Smith Rowe looked absolutely fucking knackered, you know. And, and and kind of grow. He's still he's still a growing. Yeah, you know, he still right. hasn't got the physicality right. that's almost come with his yeah. age. But it's almost like the, for me the problem with Pepe isn't some. I think he's actually, you know, going back to your point about you know actually he'd be a good squad player, you know, play, to play in the Europa League etc. But the problem is is that as you say, Arteta seems so not interested in him and so against him. Um, that it would be painful almost to keep him on that basis because you know he's not going even he's not going to be picking it very often. Um, I guess we're winding towards the end of the of the last podcast of the season. We should we should say ask who our player of the season is, and if it's not Zaka, if it's not Zaka, who the hell is it? Could it possibly be? Is my question. Well, for me, it is Zaka. I mean, you know, in some ways, look look at the contribution as was said earlier on a number of games that's played. He's certainly looked in patches a bit weary, I think, and you can see that there's someone that 
played played a lot, but overall. But I think while my glass is just half full, actually, is more than for a long time. I can think of very honourable mentions, if you like, yeah. alongside the player of the season. I think, you know, for his age and arrival, I think Ramsdale gets an honourable mention, although definitely on the first half more than the second half. Tomiyasu, massively um, in patches, party in in the sense that you could actually see the 48 million pound player there and we just need a run of form and fitness and then not get screwed up by a world cup visit so you know smith Rowe, you know is a wonderful talent isn't he and if you can if the physicality is going to come alongside the talent so there are i've mentioned three or four but to me you know if it if you were giving the kind of medal to, to to Saka and you give the certificate or the honourable mention to others and and that's pleasing. Yeah, I think Odegaard's uh, created more chances. Sorry, Josh, than any other Arsenal player for years, isn't he? Something like um, I don't know, five six years, something like that. Which may be a slight reflection on the rest of the team not correcting enough. Yeah, I, I do. I know, I know, but I feel like you know people are, people are into a lot. There's a lot of doubters about Odegaard whether he's actually and i've and i know he i feel he has been weak a bit weak in the last couple those couple of games where we needed him to stand a bit too hot and cold for me yeah okay josh well yeah i really hope there is a moment in the amazon documentary where uh, arteta does give out a load of certificates as as tim has just depicted (laughs) it you know like most improved or like most popular on the bus everyone gets an award like everyone in the whole squad you could have a bloody stay fit yeah (laughs) yes most time in the injury most time injured you know i think that is a you know i know boat boy you are close just suggest it as the last thing they do on the uh on, on the documentary, maybe. Sure. Um, yeah. In terms of, yeah, I couldn't disagree with Tim or you, Boyd. There is only one choice for player of the season, and it's remarkable, remarkable to play 38 Premier League games. I know we haven't had Europe, but I don't know how many players in the Premier League have, have done that this year. But it won't, it certainly won't be many. So, congratulations to to Saka on that. It's a you know pretty impressive. Um, the only other one really to mention, other the names that, that Tim has, is is Granite Xhaka. I, I think yeah. probably yeah. probably deserves a mention. I, I remember being there at the Etihad when he, he got sent off, and there were people probably calling for his Arsenal career. Frankly, that that day it felt like you know been let down again. And of course, we had what we had in with him getting sent off in the past and the captaincy being taken away, and, and you know looking like he could be out on the club out of the club a couple of years ago. So credit to Xhaka. We didn't talk, boy, just briefly about what you made of his post-match comments after the Newcastle game. Um, well, I think I did a little bit last week, didn't I? I think I, I talked about a little bit after. Oh, the... I must have missed it. I yeah, must have missed I, it. Well, to reiterate, I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was absolutely fine. But, but I mean, it's a good, I mean, but it is a good point because he is a, he is a character um, you know, for, for, for you know, for for good or ill, he's had his moments where he's been and and Gary Neville on that thing said he's been a disgrace in the past, which he has. You know that that incident where the you know with everyone turned against him being sent off, and you know he was a very unreliable and un- particularly in terms of discipline, incredibly unreliable hothead. And those moments, there have been disgraceful moments. I think that's 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 an appropriate word to use for it. In the, but he has turned it around, doesn't he? This season particularly, and it does feel. And it's the weird thing is that I think we will expect him to go in the summer. If you remember, there were links. He was linked to Roma. Uh, oh, I think they were like 
dotting I's and crossing yeah. T's on the contract. Right. right. So it's been an incredible turnaround. And now I'm, I think he's kind of one. I, I just couldn't stand the fact. It would be fascinating if we had got rid of him, what would have happened with our midfield this season, by the way. But he's become an absolute key player in that midfield, especially with Party being so unfit, not unfit, but being so injured so constantly. So, yeah, I think Xhaka has been one of our, I would say, top five players of the season, for sure, which is pretty extraordinary in itself. And I thought the post-match interview kind of summed him up because... You can't, on the one hand, say that we're a team that needs leaders, which has been people have been uh, uh, saying that about us for like you know two decades, pretty much, or a decade at least. And then he is a leader because he came out and said quite rightly that you know the players were nervous and they haven't got balls and all of that. Well, he's right. That was the reason I felt why we lost that Newcastle game because of the fear and 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 you know the, the lack of guts of those players. It's and it sounds a bit. You know, it sounds a bit of a, almost like a cheap thing to say, but that's the only explanation. And he put his finger on the only explanation, I felt, in that in that game. So I have a lot more respect for Xhaka than I did, certainly, nine months ago, for sure. Yeah. But, that, yeah, I, that was just coming back to saying Xhaka, I think, does deserve a, a mention in yeah. a positive sense for yeah. everything. What was your moment of the season, boy? Did you have a, a moment? Oh, can't remember. It's all a blur. What's your moment? Well, I mean, I mean I, I, the atmosphere in the North London derby, I think, was you know w- w- was amazing. Sort of a, earlier in the season for that three-one. Yeah. I think if there's a you know maybe if I think of a game from this season, it's probably the victory at Chelsea, just because it yeah. put us back into contention. And after so long of our poor away form at the top six, and just feeling like you know how many more years is it going to be until we just win at a you know, a club and one of our rivals. And I think just the nature of it on the back of those sort of three defeats where you thought you're just definitely out of this top four race, I think to come back in. And that was a night, of course, where the goal scorers were in Ketia with, with two Smith Rowe and Saka. So to have three Hale end graduates scoring goals that won us a massive league game, I think is is probably the, the game of the season. And um, yeah, that Saka penalty, I guess, just to, you know, oh, yeah, secure the great. victory, yeah. possibly the moment. But maybe I've forgotten anything. Tim? Um, no, I think I was at the Chelsea away. Didn't get to many aways this year, but that that was really, really special night. I actually think the moment of the season, I actually, in a, in a sort of pivotal way, I think I covered the moment was what was going on between Arteta and Kroenke and what did, what, how does that fit in short term, long term? But perhaps if I'm slightly twee about things, I think the moment of the season, remember, we went into this season still with COVID restrictions um, and very unsure where things were. And I think just being back in the Emirates and an Emirates that's probably had as much bounce and vigour about it almost since we moved in. Um, And it's, you know, and I think some of that was just because we were back. Um, definitely, the, you know, we were back with some new personalities and some young players that we enjoyed. And at times, the glass was half full. And I've certainly felt a lot happier, if you, if for want of a phrase of it, is at games this season, so, you know, and at home. And in the second half of the season, particularly, it really, it really picked up. So my moment of the season, where I think there has generally, and maybe it's, it's wavered and cracked because of the last two or three weeks, and we'll see how it sustains, but there, there does seem to be a little bit more energy and happiness around Arsenal. And now they need to get the next, what, 10 weeks right before we're back on August the 6th. And we see if this is something that sustains itself or, you know, if we basically, I'm not sure that everyone will be as happy with another year of fighting for fifth place. 
Yeah. So let's have having enjoyed it this year. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, my moments of the season are generally involve Emil Smith Rowe goals, and I think oh, I love an Emil Smith Rowe goal, a big uh, a run, and um, uh, they always look like they're slightly in slow motion. Yeah, He's got so much time, hasn't he? Absolutely. Boys? Yeah, yeah. When he, when I think he shoots. yeah, some people are like worrying about. Um, I know Dan Baldwin in our in our WhatsApp group was like, I mean, he's a warrior, and he says, "Oh, because he's looked tired." But really, he's been slightly unfortunate that that Martinelli, you know, became you know occupant of that position, didn't he? Really, in the in 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 the formate formation we play, and Martinelli just became kind of like you know the kind of the, just, he just he just did really well in that position, I think, over Emil Smith Rowe, and Emil Smith Rowe has become less of the first option for Arteta in the latter half of the season. But I don't mm. think it's any I don't think it's any great reflection on Emil Smith Rowe. I still think he's an absolute key second or third, you know, yeah. most important player. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I thought of one more, and it was actually one when I was with Josh. We don't actually go to very many games together, but the Aaron Ramsdale save at Leicester. Oh yeah, which I partly needed. To yeah. see on match of a day, because in the stadium you're never quite um, as sure. But I think at that moment, at that moment, I think Aaron Ramsdale would probably have won a vote for player of the season. And yeah. it did just tail off a little bit, not to anything that made you he became terrible, but that arrival by Ramsdale. And he does as much as anyone, he encapsulates that what we want to see in a player, doesn't he? But I yeah. think he plays a little bit. It's always like when you look at writing, I haven't got writer's talent or anything like that. But if I played for Arsenal, I'd try and play like that, fighting for every ball, attitude, caring, emotional. And Aaron Ramsdale's probably most got that of the current squad. Most plays like you would as a fan. So uh, just to conclude, we are 40 to 1 for the title next season, Boyd. Are you? Uh, are we? Boyd, are, some... are, are we getting on? And we should say that we are. Where, where are we? Sixth. Where are we, Josh, in terms of like fifth or sixth? What are they most? Six. So behind City, a... Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, and Manchester United, it's an Arsenal followed by Newcastle. <laughs> um, so the expectation as we stand, 22nd of May, with the bookmakers, is Arsenal will finish six next year. So May the 24th next year when we're doing this, we're glass half full with fifth place. Yeah. We've overachieved. Yeah. There was a, I, I, I was going to... There's, there's such a, there's so much... I, I, I mean, we should wind down, but I am fascinated by, you know, the idea that this project, you know... I agree with you, Tim. I'm, I don't. I'm vaguely happy with the fact that they gave him an uh, extended the contract. I'm vaguely happy that he's doing an okay job. But part of me as well wonders. It's such an Arsenal kind of slightly scared, slightly of of kind of change, slightly, you know. But I'm not. I believe in the project to some extent, and I'm kind. I'm glad there is something. There is. I'm glad there's a project. I'm glad there's a you know a kind of um, a logical, seemingly um, attempt to focus on younger players. All of that, and it has, as you say, the bond between the crowd and the players is absolutely there. I think you know the vast majority of the crowd stayed on for the for the for the. Um, uh, for, for the lap of honour, whatever it's called, the lap, the lap of um, happiness today. And I think that shows that the fans are happier. But on the other hand, Conte got Conte, this old super experienced manager who's had literally myriad jobs around the world. He got Tottenham, Tottenham into the top four. And you think, what would happen if we got one of those really world-class coaches? You know, if we somehow persuaded one of those absolutely experienced top-notch coaches to come to us, I think it, it'd be interesting anyway, to say the very least. Maybe on that uh, slightly pointless thought, it's time to wind down. 
As we leave, finally, my final thing, how, wh- where do you think we'll, we'll come next season? Then? Let's do our early predictions, Tim. If the, if the bookies have us as sixth, where do you have us? I would actually, at the moment, go for fifth. Yeah. But I would plead a massive, come invite me on in early August so that I can have assessed the spending that we've done. But I do think that then it's very likely that I'd be saying fifth is par. Yeah. Josh? Where are we going to come next year? Yeah. Fifth. <laughs> I'm going to say sixth. <laughs> I'll just add a little bit. Oh, of Boyd. Sorry. Sorry. Boyd, don't it do is, it. We're uh, going to, no, we're going to, Saliba's yeah. coming back and he's the new is Cannavaro. He, is he though? We've got Ramsdale, who's going to be England's number one soon and lead England to World Cup glory next year. And... Saka is going to play every minute of every game next year, but score 20 injured. goals. Don't worry never about it. Never gets injured. Most felt, one of the most felt players never gets injured. Absolute legend. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. To end on an optimistic note, I can't wait to see Saka play every single game for England and Arsenal next season. He'll cope. He'll be fine, Tim. He'll be fine. He can cope with Probably it. Probably will. He, yeah. Nothing seems to rattle him. Nothing, nothing rattles him. Nothing phases him. Uh, thank you so much, as ever, Tim, for all of your uh, uh, Pleasure. opinions and insights. I'm going to, um, I'll send you the picture of you in Heat Magazine. Yes, and uh, Josh, um, what a legend. Thanks for uh, organising the whole year, season of um, podcasts. That's all I can say. Well, it's really a pleasure. I mean, the years seem to go by quicker and quicker. And, you know, well, next we, always year, used, Josh. we always <laughs> used to come forth, right? And at least we had Champions League. And I, I remember, you know, we would sit and, um, look forward to European trips and everything like that. Boyd, I hope right here now in May, we can agree that we will at least do a European game together away mm. next season. We will go to yeah. Ostersunds or wherever <laughs> random places, Ludogorets or all these sort of places that we can go to. And thank you to everyone who has come on the podcast throughout the season and, and given up their time. This year, I don't think we've done a single podcast in person, Boyd, but um, maybe we'll change yeah. it. Maybe we'll get back in August, do one in do one in person and look forward to, uh, to another year. But I just echo Tim's point because the atmosphere at the Emirates is better than it's ever been. I think the away fans, I've I've probably been to more away games than I have in, you know, obviously the last couple of years. No one's been, but even the couple of years before that, I've been to a load of away games. I think the atmosphere is as good as it's been. And let's let's take that on and take that forward and look forward to a, a European success next year and hopefully a little bit better in the league. Absolutely. Maybe we'll get one of your um, star clients on the podcast next year. We sh- um, we, we we should do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck. Good luck to uh, Michael Richards, etc. Star. Well, he's been a star of the year, hasn't he? Pundit wise, he's been the pundit of the season. I think. Safe to say. Well, I'm just seeing emails coming in about um, Manchester City's trophy tour and things like that, which makes you really wish it was your team. But never mind. Yeah. Hey, congratulations to City. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm gonna sit and watch it all back and. Um, on Sky and, and match your day and see how it all unfolded because yeah it was one of those days where actually you were thinking it would have been the worst thing to be on the couch enjoying it but hey mm. we all went with that 5% chance that it, that it might turn our way but alas bring on uh, next that, season most of all thanks to everyone for listening um, I think we've been doing this for 10 years or something haven't we at least maybe I have anyway but um, yeah are you Still calling there. for a testimonial board yeah let's do a testimonial event yeah next year um Michael you Richardson. will don't any proceeds will be donated to keeping Hector <laughs> Bella in the club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, Hector. All is forgiven. All those throw-ins, we've forgiven you. Um, uh, thank you very much. See you next season. Bye. See you next season. Bye bye.
If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.